the Honey Drop, your all-access pass to the Hamilton Honey Badgers. I'm Andrew Damelin, and today we're with another special guest. If you would like a bucket, he can get it for you. From Queens Village, New York, guard for the Hamilton Honey Badgers, Christian Vital. Christian, how are you? I'm doing well on yourself. I'm good, thank you. No, thanks for doing this. Absolutely. And I want to talk about your basketball upbringing, but the first thing I want to talk about mm. is chess. <laughs> Okay. As a five-year-old at a New York daycare center, you discovered the game of chess. What drew you to the game of chess? Just the just the competitive the competitiveness of the game. You know the mental preparation it takes to have. You know the men, the mental strength it takes. You know to to be in a long chess game and to and to come out victorious. So I think all of those things just I think all of those things just you know apply to everyday life. You know. You talk about the long game, having that patience, sure. and there are pieces on the chessboard. And uh, for like the queen is the most powerful piece, obviously. Sure. I, I I give that to Giannis and to LeBron, <laughs> for example. Okay, so if we could be fair for a moment, let's not put you in the queen <laughs> zone. Yeah, okay, yeah, second sure. most powerful is the rook. Third most, bishop, bishop and knight. knight. Between the bishop and knight, which piece do you think you would be? Because the bishop can go all along the board, but the knight can get to where they want to go no matter what because they can jump to any to any L spot on For the sure. board. Which piece between the bishop and knight do you think sort of best resembles your game? Um, I think it would be it would be depending on that night, depending on the day, the matchup, you know, what my team needs for me that day. Um, hey, sign my boy to the max. My boy need the whole max. The whole max pay my boy. <laughs> That's my dog, Caleb. He know the vibe. He know the vibes. That's my brother right there. But, um, you know, like I said, I, w- I would say depending on whatever the team needs me to be. If the ne- if the team needs me to be able to attack, you know, full court, at, um, um, apply pressure, you know, on the offensive and defensive end, then I believe that's something that I could do at a high level. If um, if it's a closer game and it's a possession and it, and the possessions are more important, you know, at that time, that time and place of the game, then I can then I have the ability to be able to move more strategically if, if need be, more in the L shape, and just you know, and just find my guys and and pick the defense apart. So you talk about the patience you need to play chess, and for me, chess is a game where you got to take your emotions out of it because yeah. all the information is on the board for everybody to see. For sure. Emotions don't really help you, but they do in, in basketball. Is there a balance you've had to strike as a basketball player, maybe it was growing up as a kid in New York, where you got to you use that emotion to drive you, but pull it back as well to make you the most effective? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm still figuring that out to this day. You know, life... Life and you know the game is a, is an ongoing learning experience. You know you try to get better. You know with every game you play, with every practice you have, um, and you try to get better in chess with every game, whatever game that you make and every move that you make. So I think it's like you can never just get complacent and feel like you're in a place of you're you're in a place that you, you that that you're good at. You know that you always want to get better. And I think, like I said, I think chess and basketball, those two things. They might not seem like they have too many similarities, but for me, I find I find a lot of them in each other. And, you know, growing up in Queens Village, you talk about winning and losing. And I saw you in the second day of training, in camp, of training camp, and it was the first scrimmage. Mm-hmm. 
and after the first bucket you were already talking trash <laughs> it seemed like winning and losing meant something more to you Absolutely. than it did to a lot of people growing up can you remember when winning and losing really started to mean a lot more for you than your friends maybe i would say i'll say in third grade uh we went to nationals we went to um nationals down in orlando at the um, worldwide sports and everything that campus and um it's basically in the summer you know a whole bunch of teams go down and we ended up playing uh, the Riverside Hawks. They had guys like Eric, Eric Pascal, who's on the Jazz, my boy um, Donovan Mitchell, who's on the Jazz, and another one of my boys, and uh, Ty Jerome, you know, another one of my boys who's on OKC. And uh, we lost to them in the championship game by two points. And I remember having, I remember bawling my eyes out, crying after that game, and then having to take the same flight as them home because we're both the New York team. So just having to hear the P, um, hear the flight attendants over the uh, PA saying like. Oh, we're going home with the champs, Riverside Hawks and everything like that. And just remembering just like I never wanted to feel that again and knowing that, you know, that I, that I, I do love to win. I do love to compete and everything like that. But you need to learn from your losses and um, and, and help and uh, use them to help you bounce back. You went to high school with Eric Pascal, didn't you? He was he was a year before me, but we both went to St. Thomas more, though. One year, one year apart, one year too far. How often did he remind you of that of that game growing up? Does he still remind you about that? Nah, not not too much now. We, we we're <laughs> it's in been a, a while. Much, yeah, we're, it's been a while. We're we're in a much different place now. But um, that's something I would say that I so more remember just personally because they got to win, so they they could all laugh about it. But it's a it's a different experience for me. So you head off to St. Thomas More High School in Connecticut, mm-hmm. and there's a quote from your head coach. Excuse me. I don't know how to pronounce his first name. Is it Jerry? Yeah, Jerry Quinn. Jerry, Jerry Quinn. Oh my God, the legend. So he's got a quote for you. He says, the one thing about Christian, he's always trying to validate himself. I never thought a coach has to beat Christian up because he beats himself up more than anybody. No. Christian succeeds best when you just calmly talk to him. When you hear that, um, what memories come to mind? <laughs> From high school? Uh, a lot of them, just especially with Coach Quinn. You know, I was, you know, not a lot of guys go to NEPSAC or boarding schools, you know, for, for multiple years, you know, and especially that, especially St. Thomas More, you know, it's more of a postgraduate um, of school. So guys go in for one year, but I was one of the guys who went there for two years. So just to have the, just to have that experience, you know, definitely with some, some tough times, you know, all boys school, boarding school, by the water, you know, it gets cold in the winter, but it was, it was a great experience. I just I just remember waking up, you know, going to the gym, our 6 a.m. workouts, you know, everything like that, you know, no lights on really in the gym, dusty gym, you know, older gym, but just having a place to be able to work, you know, and, and it definitely prepared me for for where I'm at, from where I'm at in life now. Were you teammates with Charlie Brown? Your, yeah, your? Charlie Brown, Amari Spellman, EJ Crawford. We had we had a squad. Should have won the cha- lost in the championship and the nep- and the NEPSAC in the national championship. Still, still hurts me about that one, but no, I don't want to bring up bad. Experience. I don't want to big up uh, bad memories. Uh, Charlie Brown actually covered the Raptors nine hundred five, and he destroyed the Raptors nine hundred five yeah, in yeah. the playoffs. Um, can you tell me about the practice battles between you and Charlie Brown? Oh man, we went at it when we were on the same team. We were go- we were attacking dudes when we were on- when we we're not on the same team. We're going at it. We're talking. That was my brother though. We would have lunch together every day. Um, that's my brother. It sucks, you know. We didn't. I didn't get to play against him this year in the championship. Uh, apparently, he got caught with an illness. Like as soon as, as soon as um, he, uh, Delaware beat 905, so for us to play in the championship. So I was actually really looking forward to seeing him, but I didn't. But I'm sure I'll see. I'll see him soon for sure. So you go from St. Thomas More to UConn. You had offers from Louisville, I believe, mm-hmm. and 
UNLV, you had yeah. offers. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, you head off to UConn, first with Kevin Ollie for two years, mm-hmm. two difficult seasons, losing seasons. Mm-hmm. Third year, Danny Hurley takes over. Mm-hmm. And from the quotes I've seen from Danny Hurley, it sounds to me like you two are so similar. <laughs> I've heard that for the thousandth time now. Okay, I don't, okay so let's, let's try to not visit things you've heard for a thousandth time. But it's, and if you remember from maybe February of this year, there was a UConn game where it was against Villanova, mm. I think. He got a tech. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was... So he gets that a tech. Was, that was ridiculous for for ramping up the crowd. And then he, well, so he got the tech. Then he's ramping up the crowd. And then he gets ejected. Then yeah. he gets ejected. That's clown behavior right there. <laughs> clown behavior. So that was your reaction to that. Yeah. To that, but should never get ejected for something like that. Clown behavior. But do you see any of yourself in him? Absolutely, absolutely. He's a he's a, he shows up every day. Uh, one thing he you know he showed up every day. He came in. He came in with a plan. You know, it wasn't an easy plan to follow. It's not a plan everyone wanted to follow, but it was his plan, and um, and he definitely, he definitely came in and, and made it work, made up, made us work, and um, and I'm grateful for those two years because it got me, it got me on the track to start being more professional, to understand that you need to show up every day for the full day, you know, not take, not take breaks off, and he was a great example of that. And like I said, I, I take, um, I give him a lot of credit for helping me get back on track because I believe, you know. The ending of my UConn career helped me have the start of my professional career that I've had so far. Yeah, you finished your UConn career. It was cut short, obviously, by COVID. But the last seven games, you were averaging 20-plus shooting the lights out. You won five straight heading into the end of your UConn career. But in in that, it's still going back to the middle of your UConn career. um, Are you familiar with the writing of... Don Amore from the Hart from the Hartford Current. He wrote a lot about you during your uh, <laughs> during your UConn career. The name sounds familiar. Okay, so he had an article right before your senior season, mm-hmm. and I want to I want you to ask you how much of this line of yours is BS and how much is it like you know what he's kind of right about that. Okay, For this sure. is this is the quote he had going into your senior season. He says Vital's days as the Huskies' loose cannon appear to be ending. So how much truth in that? Heading into your fourth year, is it like, you know what? I was kind of a loose cannon, and now I'm more mature. And how much is like, hey man, like I need to play with this edge, and this is who I am. I would, I would give him his credit. I would give him his credit for that. But um, I think it, it came a lot to do with just maturing. You know, you when you're at UConn, you're in the you're in the you're in the bright you're in the spotlight. You know, there's there's no NBA team in the state of Connecticut. You know, it's, it's UConn is UConn basketball. So I think you know, just coming from a boarding school where where it wasn't where we weren't in the spotlight, you know, we weren't the big names, and now becoming like you know the face of the state in a way. And each year, I became I had more of a, a larger role. You know, I would definitely say that I didn't. I would say that I definitely matured towards matured towards the end of it. You know, but I think that just came with the experience, just you know, being a watching film, you know, being around, seeing younger guys coming after you and kind of looking up to you. Also, while you're still trying to figure things out for yourself, you know, like you said, we had losing seasons. It's not like you know, I was winning in high school, so when I got to UConn, those losing seasons, that was something that was new to me. Like, that was my freshman year was my first losing season of my career. You know, I've never had that before. So it was definitely frustrating to be a part of knowing that I'm better than the way that I was playing and knowing that this program, you know, I went there to win the championship, you know, not to just have fun and everything like that. So I would definitely say it would, I will give him his credit and definitely say I matured towards the end. And I believe I went into my senior year locked in. Locked in. I'll say. I say. I went in locked in for sure. Yeah, you went in locked in. You finished like you were locked in. Yeah. 
And the one thing so many people mentioned about you that, that helps drive you is the slights that you feel, mm-hmm. real or perceived. Mm-hmm. And there was one slight that I thought of that I was wondering if it was actually a slight that you thought of. Okay, so I know going into UConn, you were like the fifth recruit of the, of the, lowest, of the class or whatever. And that, that motivated you, the lowest recruit. For sure. But what I saw is going into your senior season, you were ranked uh, preseason second team, <laughs> all AAC. Do you remember that? I do remember that. <laughs> Clown behavior again. <laughs> so the guy, do you remember the? Do you remember the point guard that was ranked uh, preseason first team? I don't know who was ranked preseason. I wrote that down. His last name was Rido. Is that possible? Oh, from USF. That's right. Rido. Yep, Rido, and he was in the backcourt with him and Collins. USF. Yeah. I don't know who made that list, but <laughs> do you remember the game you against you played against them? I think it was February twenty third, twenty twenty. Do you remember gave that game? A, gave him a good twenty plus. Gave him a good twenty plus at home. Um, I think I hit. I think I became like one of the. I think I hit the most threes in the conference that game. I think that was the game that that I that I broke that that I broke that accomplishment. Um, obviously, with the help of my guys, but yeah no that was definitely slight i saw that you know to be honest with you it's crazy to me but that was the only that was the only accolade that i received from the conference in four years and then to still go in there going into my senior year perceived second team i don't know who makes these lists these days (laughs) (laughs) so you get to prove them wrong you were you end up first team always i didn't finish that way and personally i feel like i should have been player of the year but you know with with us leaving the conference well, you don't want to. You don't want to give a player player of the year to the team leaving the conference. So I get it, but it is what it is. Big up to Precious. At least I. At least I lost it to a first round pick. Who's that? Who's on the Raptors right now? Right, Precious is a, a decent guy to, nah, to lose sure, to lose sure. out to. And so many guys. And he earned it. He 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 played extremely well for a freshman. I give I give a lot of credit to him. He definitely. So many guys get this motivation from the, from the slight. Very, you know, very famously, obviously, Michael Jordan, but like Draymond Green can name every single person that was drafted before yeah, him. But to me, I, I think if, like, if I'm so angry about anything, about mm-hmm. being slighted or whatever, it may not translate well on the court yeah. for me. It may sort of make me go into, and try to do things that I'm not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But why does, it, why does it, for you and so many people, but you especially, why does it sort of help you Mm. dial in if you're feeling that motivated for sure and i've definitely I'll, I'll be honest that's something i'm definitely still learning as well you know sometimes sometimes it could get the best of me in no shape way or form am i am i perfect at all but i think i've just like i said with with the experience that i've been i've been i've played some high level basketball i've played you know some big time games and some big time venues against big time teams against big time players so i think just as I just go along in my journey and just keep gaining that experience and that confidence and starting to have better games, you know, more efficient games and, and then winning those games, winning those big games, you know, those high moment, those high pressure, high pressure games. I think with that experience, it just it just helps me to be able to know that, you know, it was it was a slight. But now I'm starting to control it and use it and use it as a strength. Yeah, you scored 30 plus couple of games ago and you're obviously the go to three point shooter for this team. You're mm-hmm. using all that to your to your advantage but you know your senior season gets cut off by COVID you can't try to win your conference tournament can't try to get to the NCAA tournament uh, which is obviously a bitter pill but but even tougher I think 
you go on, you get signed by a German team, but don't end up playing for them. You yeah. get signed with, I think, Memphis. Yeah. Don't play for them. Yeah. The hustle. Don't play for them. You, yeah. you have a year where you don't really play yeah. professional basketball. Facts. What did you learn about yourself during that year? I imagine mean, that's your first year off since you were like six years old or no, something like that. it was my first year off. I, I never missed. I don't think I missed a game in four years at UConn. You know, rare that I may I might have missed one game. I had a concussion actually. I missed one game like my freshman and sophomore year. Um, but even even from even from high school and everything, like I'm not a guy who's known for, for missing days, for missing games. So it just it just taught me a lot about myself. One thing I got to spend time with my family for sure. I would say that was definitely a blessing because, you know, with everything going on, me being on the road, me traveling to AU in the summer, this training in the summer, I entered the draft one year. You know, it's hard to be at the house for more than a day, especially me going to boarding school since 14. You know, I've been out the house for almost a decade now, more than a decade now. So it's just, so it's just, I'll say, I'll say it's just those things, but just, sorry, go, what was the question? What did you learn about yourself oh, in yeah, that so, year? So, yeah, so I got off track a little bit. All, all but, good, all good. But to, yeah, to say what I learned about myself, just that I really want this, you know, that I really want to succeed. I really want to play at the highest level, you know, possible, that I love the game. And that um that I was gonna have to lock in even more, knowing how hard it is to get in the door because it's harder to stay in the door, you know. So just just knowing that and just saying okay, like it was, it was a year off, I can't do anything about it. But how am I gonna come back? You know, what's gonna be my response to this? You know, it's, they always say it's not what it's not what it's not what happens is how you respond to it. So. I think I've done a pretty good job so far, but got a lot more work to do. Yeah, listen, you're a pro champion now. You go off to Rio Grande Valley, and yeah. no one no one pictures the G League or the CEBL as their end destination. No, not at all. But you got if you're there, you might as well make the most of it. And so you go with Rio Grande Valley, you win the title. Like, yeah. what is this your first title? You obviously didn't win a title with 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 UConn. No, yeah. No. This, this is a very simple question, but when that final buzzer goes, w- what does a championship feel like? All hell breaks loose. <laughs> All hell breaks loose. You know, it's just because you know we knew that we had a chance to win it. You know, a legitimate chance. Oh, so yeah. So we knew we had a legitimate chance to win the championship. You know, just from from training camp, just from our opening roster, and obviously things changed throughout the season, everything like that. But just knowing, you know, each game, as each as each game went by, we just knew that we had a chance, and it was just on us to keep it together. But then when you actually do it, you know, when that hard work, when those when those talks, when those, all right, stay ready, when even when you're not having the best time of the season at, the, at that moment, you know, but staying ready, you got guys talking to you, you're still, you're still a union, you're still a family. Like you said, when that when that championship, when that when that buzzer does ring, and you know you don't just went to you just swept the team, and then you beat them on the road, kind of like what what the Warriors did with the Celtics. You know, it's like you win the championship at another person's house. It's <laughs> like it's, it's no better feeling, and then you get to go fly home, and the parade is just like all the hard work pays off, and then everyone everyone gets a better contract after that. You know, when you win, everyone wins. You know, so I think that's just my my main thing is like I was always so close. You know. Losing in the semifinals here or a championship game here and ah ah, so it's like when you finally win a championship, just to see, just to see what it does for everyone, everyone around you is just is, is a is a feeling that's second to none. So you win the title, you come over here to Hamilton with the CEBL, mm-hmm. and last week I spoke with Jeremiah. Two weeks ago, I spoke with mm-hmm. Jeremiah Tillman about coaches that inspire him. Mm-hmm. For him, he literally says he wants a coach that scares him. Mm-hmm. He wants someone to, I don't know if it's intimidate or whatever, but that's how, that's how he's going to listen. My, my thought is you are not that type of <laughs> nah. player that wants a coach to scare him. You, you guys got to work together. For sure. 
how has Coach Schmidt found that spot with you? Because I spoke with him after the first game. Mm-hmm. If you remember the first game of the season, you guys were, I think, three points away from the winner. Mm-hmm. And you took kind of a – you tried to take a heat check three, it yeah. looked like. And yeah. it actually slipped out of your hands. Yeah. And the first thing he said is – Christian wants to stick the dagger in you, okay? Sure. But we got to find the time and place for it. For sure. What effort has he made to sort of meet you where you need to be, where you're going to be motivated by him, but allow you to be yourself? For sure, I, I'll say he's done a great job. He knows I'm a killer. You know, he know he, he knows I'm a killer, and, and he doesn't he doesn't try to hold me back in any shape, way, or form. Um, he does he he does a, he does a great job of helping me lead the team and also letting me lead the team, and then and then it's on me to be able to use that trust and to use you know. To use to use my abilities to make to make it to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to do, that the team's going in the right direction, that we're playing the right way, and um, and this was one of my first times leading the team, especially professionally. You know, like I had a good role on the team on the real team, but I wasn't the man. I wasn't the starting point guard in no shape, way, or form at times of the year. But when you know when the two ways come down, you know how the G League mm-hmm. season goes. But I wasn't the full time leader, full time point guard right here. I'm the full time leader, full time starting point guard. So it's, it's more more of a you know is more of a I would say is more of a is more of a challenge you know is more of a role but that's what I want you know that's that's why I'm here to be to be able to do this to be able to use this for the opportunity that it is and I was, like I said with coach, with coach Ryan you know he's 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 done a great job for sure with that and you mentioned winning opens doors for you. You guys just came off a loss, but you got a winning yeah. record. Sit atop the league. I think you're in a good spot. Say that again one more time. <laughs> you sit atop the league. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> just have to make sure. I don't know. Some people may seem like we forgot, you know, or <laughs> since we lost the game. But, yeah, still at the top of the league for sure. Yeah, you had a good practice here. It seems for like you're sure. going to get back on track. And, for sure. and listen, Christian, um, I think you're in a good spot. And I, I really appreciate the time you took for me today. Thank you. And good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. Appreciate you for having me.